The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Oh, Toby Manhire. Oh, I loved your debate write-up last week. Oh, so good. Such great election coverage. Yeah, I just happened to be in the spin-off podcast studio, and um, I just wanted to say, great work. (laughs) I get it. This is like a Ponsonby Road bit. My name is Toby Manhoe. This is Gone by Lunchtime on the morning of Wednesday, October 14, and there are only roughly 80 hours to go until the polls close, and we are going to podcast every one of those 80 hours. Uh, you guys all settled in. Ben Thomas, hello. Yep, I'm ready. Annabelle Lee Mathie, you ready to podcast 80 hours of lead up to the election? I am. I um, am indeed. You can take the first 20 hours, Annabelle. Mm. Ben, you take the next 20. Well, I've, I've been prepping by not sleeping for three days, and during that time I've been giving Judith Collins media advice. <laughs> You've got a can of energy drink in front of you. Yeah, you do have the look of a man who is ready to go. Alice Webler-Dool, thank you for um, engineering our sound today in the absence of Tina Tiller. I've never seen anyone look happier than when Tina Tiller exited the studio this morning. She literally skipped out the door. Um, So it's great to bring happiness to people again with Gone by Lunchtime. Already more than half of the total number of people that are likely to vote have cast their ballots. Um, It's very close. We can almost touch it. Um, Today... What's with all this early voting, though? It's like ruining Christmas. It's I, like opening your presents before Christmas. Why do you do it like I you're not getting the full joy of the anticipation monstrous. of polling day? I, I agree. Ben, have you voted it's early? so disrespectful. I voted early. I, I wanted to do the destroy um, this. I wanted to do the crossword in the Herald on Sunday. Right. So I thought I'll go and get my free pen and participate mm. in democracy. But as it turned out, I couldn't because the early voting booth in the church nearest to where I lived was holding services. And you had to stop and pray. Foiled, <laughs> foiled by God again. <laughs> Did you um, stop for a little chat with the guy upstairs? The, ask, asked for some guidance. Um, no, no, I didn't. No, the sanctity of the ballot box extends to the Almighty. The task ahead of us in this, the penultimate Gone by Lunchtime of the campaign, is to do a whistle-stop tour of the parties and the campaigns. We're gonna, and then we're going to pick a seat each, aren't we? We are. That we're excited about for Saturday night. And then, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> using a combination of science and soothsaying, mm. each of us is going to predict the results of the election. Do you remember I asked you to do that, Annabelle? 
Yeah, but I'm not good at maths. So I don't know if it will add up to a hundred. Well, then, then just say something about the Sant Lag formula and the overhang, mm. and everyone will think you're a. I think I'll do it more about genius. energy. Oh yeah, and more the vibes. vibe, more the vibe, both. Okay, energy and vibe. Um, Thanks very much to Flick Electric for their support of Spinoff Politics. Thank you to Spinoff members who make it all possible. If you would like this humble podcast to continue after the election, please subscribe and review and say something gushingly complimentary about Annabelle Lee Mather and about Ben Thomas. Mostly um, about me, though. Imagine yourself to be a normal person standing on the side of Ponsonby Road and just... <laughs> say what's in your spontaneously heart. Spontaneously... <laughs> Speaking from the heart. Let's start with Labour, shall we? Wait, my mum's calling. Oh, it's your mum. Put her on. It's my mum. Hang on. Hang on. Hi, mama. I'm just doing a podcast. Can I ring you back? No, get her picked for Auckland Central. Can we have a prediction? Auckland Central prediction and overall prediction. Sandra Lee on the phone. Thank you. Thank you, mama. Bye. Put her on speaker. Sorry, mum says to say racing and fisheries was always going to bite Winston on the bum. Okay, there you have it from Sandra Lee. Wow. Breaking news. Thanks, Sandra Lee, for your contribution. Can we put special guest? I think we can. Yeah, cameo appearance. Yeah. That's the first politician we've had on, isn't it, this year? It is. I think we we were planning on being a bit more ambitious. Oh, you did demand politicians to be hauled up into the studio and interrogated. I, I, yeah. They're doing doing interviews everywhere. I know, but do you want want more of them, or do you just want to hear more from (laughs) Annabelle and Ben? That's what the people want. That's what they're telling me. Let's I'll start with Labour. Right. Labour, 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 Labour. What did they do? They didn't do a great deal. They focused their campaign on... It was a bit like a John Key reunion. It was stable. It was. It makes, made Team Key look like an exercise in collegiality. This was the Jacinda Ardern campaign. There she was in the last week, incredibly powerful visuals being... Mobbed by thousands of people in Hamilton and on Victoria University. That's right. Kelvin Davis and Grant Robertson crushed by the throng of people <laughs> trying to get closer to Jacinda. James Shaw sort of standing on the edge going, also me. What did you make of it, Annabelle? I think this election, Jacinda's mastered the dark art of under-promising and under-delivering. <laughs> Um, I think it's, uh, to use an old cliche, a campaign of two halves. We see people like um, Kitty Tapu Allen who have gone all in, boots on the ground, campaigning with her pants on fire mm. and doing an incredible job. And then in some of the Māori seats, not all, we've seen quite a sluggish, lacklustre campaign. So... Um, from what I understand, Labour have been very good this time about using um, technology and information to target potential voters and obviously some MPs are running really strong um, campaigns on the ground and then others uh, less so. But, I mean, they're going to get back in. They'll get back in easily, so you can't argue with that, can you? Ben, can you argue with that? It's it's what we would have called a small target campaign, mm. basically leaving as few vulnerabilities as possible. Mm. So, you know, that very, very, very conservative tax policy, very strongly ruling out the wealth tax um, that the Greens have proposed. So, that, 
you know, to try and blunt nationals' attacks um, and, and any uncertainty, you know, amongst middle voters. The approach can be seen in an op-ed that was written by Helen White, the Auckland Central candidate, uh, as a guess a right of reply to I think Simon Wilson's column in the in the Herald, where she was given about you know sort of I think five hundred seven hundred words to lay out her case for why she should be the Auckland Central candidate uh, uh, MP, mm. and there was. <laughs> three paragraphs in a row, which were basically the top three reasons are Jacinda Ardern is my leader, Jacinda Ardern wants us to win Auckland Central, and I have met Jacinda Ardern. <clears throat> and that's the, the campaign writ large across the country. If you took, you know, the Labour Party in this election is Jacinda Ardern. Mm. Uh, it's all based on that kind of bond that the people of New Zealand formed during the COVID response and everything else is seen as a distraction for them right now. It's a continuity campaign, isn't it? And they even busted out the old don't put it all at risk yeah. uh, banner, which Helen Clark used uh, in 2005. The, but the, the language, and there's, there's some extent to which the language of the incumbent will always contain elements of this, but I've been struck by just how much of it is echoing the things that key and English campaigns have used in terms of strong and stable, let's stick together. Uh, they haven't literally used the words don't rock the boat, but they might as well have. That's, mm. that's, the, that's the argument. And who can blame them? Well, the thing too is that um, in that sense, National has, has run an excellent counter campaign for Labour in that they look dishevelled and chaotic and like they're full, falling apart. So that whole stability argument is even more potent this time around. Yeah, they've played into their hands a bit. They've, in the last, I suppose we'll move on to National a bit now, in the last week they've tried to focus their attacks on the old favourite, which is they're going to tax you this lot, uh, focusing on the green policy, which you touched on, Ben, of a wealth tax, which has been pretty solidly ruled out. Uh, and as you say, that speaks to the successful strategy or tactic on the part of Grant Robertson to inoculate the whole tax issue by saying, here's our tax policy, done and dusted. Uh, let's not talk about it anymore. Jacinda Ardern has already ruled out the capital gains tax, which in a way is a surprise given that the roadblock to the capital gains tax was Winston Peters, who is not likely to be on the scene. So in a way, it doesn't really cohere. And yet, and of course, we live in a vastly different world now, with you know this massive inflation of assets, which we've seen as a result of the monetary response to COVID nineteen. So more and more money chasing the same number of houses and shares on the NZX, yeah. which is exacerbating wealth inequalities, um, if not income inequalities in New Zealand. Um, so, do you think that we should be disappointed? just staying briefly on Labour, Annabelle, with their campaign? I think they've run a smart campaign, but mm. I think people on the, on, the, on the far left will think that it's a, you know, a, a squandered opportunity for some real um, tax reform. Never has someone had such high political capital mm. in recent times and that she's not prepared to, um, to spend it um, at a time when it's so desperately needed, I think um, is going to see Labour 
um, lose a little bit of vote, not lose a little bit, bit of vote, but I think people will be um, voting for the Greens as an insurance policy to try and get some a little bit of change in there. It's the perfect campaign that you'd run if your goal was just to have another three years mm. in government. Mm. You know, as as a strategist, that's what you'd tell them sure, to do. Sure, you'd say and crowd the crowd the centre, which they've successfully done. They've they've brought people over from being national yep. voters to Labour voters, which is the dream of every centrist, yep. centre left, centre right party. And as Annabelle says, National have both. Uh, encouraged and fed into that strategy really nicely, haven't they? I mean, I've just jotted down here. The year for the National Party, three leaders, a an embarrassing miscalculation in the fiscal plan, mm-hmm. leaking in the weeks leading up to polling day from your own caucus, all culminating in that Ponsonby Road tableau that you mentioned before, which often we can be accused of overplaying things. But this one, I think you have to remember that it played out as the lead item on the 6 o'clock news on TVNZ, which is the most viewed news product in the country, I would think it's safe to say, Um, and is not a place that is prone necessarily to high drama. It's a more sober news outlet. It is the home, I would suspect, of the national base audience and at that point in the campaign that must have just felt like an absolute punch to the gut so given all of that to finish (laughs) to finish in the 30s seems almost an incredible success when you just put all that down and look at it I mean it really rivals those terrible years that the Labour Party endured in the 2010s doesn't it Mm, and and, and part of the, yeah, I mean, look, they haven't lost as many of those centre voters forever um, as may have they may have initially feared. You know, they, they have started to lose, you know, an increasing number of votes to act. Um, but that block is still at about 40%, which means they've, you know, they've maybe lost 5% in the centre, which is bad, but it's not catastrophic for mm. them. Um, it... <laughs> I mean, it, it has, you know, I, I don't think that you would have to, you know, be an empath of Jacinda Ardern's kind of standing to feel a little bit sorry for Judith Collins in this. Um, she was not one of one of the people behind the Mueller coup. Uh, she did not want the leadership before this election. I think, you know, it seemed pretty clear she was positioning herself for a post-election bid. And she really got this kind of hospital pass right in the middle of MPs resigning in scandal, uh, party grandees, you know, being banished from public life um, and, and, you know, this sort of internal caucus meltdown, none of which was really her fault. Um, I think she's 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 done a reasonably good campaign. Annabelle? I think she's been catastrophic myself, like a weird Muldoon-Trump mashup, and I think she's just completely read the room wrong. This is, there's no appetite for spiteful politics this year. Um, you know, there's years when there are. There's years when we love a good dust-up, like, you know, um, Jenny Shipley and Helen Clark, everyone was into it. But I think after what we've been through over the last three years, people really aren't into 
nasty politics. And I think, you know, this week lashing out and calling it Jacinda a liar, having a go mm. at fat people, like, it's just... It feels like the, the It's the just not the vibe. You, uh, you introduced for the first time in New Zealand commentary the Game of Two Halves analogy a moment ago. <laughs> and it's been a bit like that with National 2. Like, you remember when we were saying... Gosh, Judith Collins has been hmm. surprisingly kind of sober, and there was that period where the in the first, first half days, of the campaign, eh? like literally <laughs> was, three days, we're like, "Wow, look at Auntie!" It was, it was like, more than that. It up. was more than that. It was more than that, and it was, and it was seemed like a kind of consolidation period of just bringing people back and going, "It's okay. We're up. We're not. We're not. We're not. We're not a loose cannon." Even though there have been, mm. and then. I don't know. It was as though after getting the accolades and the debates, after sort of narrow victories, mm. call it what you like, in debate one and debate two, arguably um, in the leaders' debates, you could see the energy raise, but then also in a way the kind of the the, the sense of control and modulation fall away too. Mm. So the, the arc for National, you know, I think the turning point for them really was that second lockdown in Auckland and the outbreak. Because I think a lot of people, including myself, would have thought the only real shot National have of getting the Treasury benches back is if there's another outbreak in the community that leads to another lockdown. Mm. And then that happened and the government's popularity barely shifted. And and at that point you would start thinking, well, what what can what can we do? What would change things? You know, they brought out a, a pretty generous tax policy, didn't really change things. Mm. Um, the, I think the the timing with the debates is a little uh, coincidental. I think it's more the fact that they're coming into this home stretch, they're continuing to bleed votes to act, mm. and so the focus changes from trying to get those centre voters back to doing a bit more to reassure, you know, the the what you'd think of as the solid national base that actually you're there to fight Ardern and you're there to be uh, in conflict. So that strategy is to bring back the people who have abandoned national because they see ACT being a more aggressive and effective opposition, is that what you're saying? Yeah, so do, people will abandon national because they want, you know, a tougher opposition, more steel in the spine. Mm. And because there's no way that calling Jacinda Ardern a liar is going to bring over that person on the See, 50th maybe. percentile of the vote. Maybe, I, I but think I... people are deeply, uh, even national supporters, aren't comfortable with, um, with those sorts of attacks on Jacinda because I think right across the board there's, a, you know, in some cases a, a, a grudging respect of her but a, a respect nonetheless. I think where national have gone wrong this time is they really needed to come on hard and strong with the economic stuff and um, and they've, she, Judith, needed to appear like she was right across every detail of it in that Helen Clark-esque manner. And A, she didn't do that, and B, she has a guy who's woefully underqualified for the job. So she, they haven't been able to put up a very convincing economic policy. And the truth is, I mean, even in those debates, you could see there's actually lots of common ground between yeah. national and Labour. Economics, you know, a really strong economic um, platform is what I think could have made the difference. But just in terms of ACT, I do think that when people go into the polling booth, there is going to be a bit of a come-to-Jesus moment. And I think that a lot of 
national supporters who might be a bit annoyed or frustrated at the party, with the party at the moment and are leaning towards ACT are probably going to come back and, and, and go back to blue. There is, there is. I think there's something in that, in that I think many of the people who answer the pollsters with ACT aren't <clears throat> necessarily full-throatedly supporting the ACT policy platform so much as marking down national. Yes, the, the, and um, that's always been the way with ACT. ACT has and, never and, had more than about 1% of the population that supports its full policy platform, and that's never how they've gotten their votes. Um, but David Seymour has been, you know, what someone was saying to you the other day, you know, somebody that I would definitely mark as a, as a left voter, Yeah, said... You know, Seymour has stood out in this campaign just because of the clarity of his message, the straightforwardness. You know, if you ask National, for instance, well, what are you going to do about debt? How are you going to reconcile yeah. your spending and yeah. your tax and your debt track? And then you then you get David Seymour on and he says, we're just going to cut it. You know, <laughs> and, yeah. uh, and and there's there's none of that ambiguity and that kind of walking the line that National's trying to do. I, mean, I, think, I think you have to give him an A plus for the campaign that he's run. Um, and I think, you know, it's commendable that he has demonstrated how you can take a, a private member's bill and strategically use it to absolutely amplify the mana and credibility of, of your party. He's also, just on a very basic level, speaking as a journalist who is an inbox flooded with media releases, the ACT ones are just better. You know, the the, the clarity of the message and the, that you mentioned about the wit, you know, just the, the, the headlines. And now I realise that might seem a relatively kind of superficial thing to say, but it speaks to the nimbleness and uh, cleverness of the their political operating machine, and I and I don't think I don't think that that's nothing. Just briefly on the whole economic thing. That's what Annabelle. happens when you've had Ben to like advise you that way. Like well, you get those. What are you saying? You get I mean, those like in, back in the day, like in, those the little bit of time that Ben spent with him a few years back. That was. He took those diff- nuggets of gold, oh. and he's like flowers have bloomed from those nuggets. Them into, into yeah. golden. <laughs> right. That's I mean, another ben, way of yep. putting it would be to say that the. Party's polling is now one thousand six hundred percent higher than it was when Ben was working for him. But I see that I see that you make a Don't strong be like that, Toby. No, I'm just stating facts. Look, I, th- I, 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 I think we need about an hour's historical context <laughs> to accompany this. I just want to say really briefly on the economic point because I think that's a really good one. Um, and I think that you have seen we have seen in in recent history the ability of an effective national party, uh, the party of Bill English and John Key, as has been cited, dropped most recently, by Jacinda Ardern and Grant Robertson repeatedly, (laughs) the extent to which they've been able to just smash the Achilles heel of Labour, whether it's uh, show me the money or whether it's Phil Goff not being able to explain part of his capital gains tax. And you've got to say that Grant Robertson, who's obviously an important strategist in the party too, has over the course of the crisis and even before when he was considered uh, a little bit experience short in that finance portfolio has done a, a kind of incredible job like he seems he seems at the moment invulnerable mm. on that front he's got the support of the business community obviously there are people who are disappointed by the level of the tax policy but it's been really good and whereas national it's almost like they needed a dr shane 
in the in the in the uh, on the economy, yeah. right? They need you know? to they need to like clone Doctor Shane. He might even know how to do that because yeah. he's a doctor, and then just like give him all the different portfolios. But it basically, there's no Doctor Shane. There's no one who can effectively condescend to Grant Robertson on matters economic at the moment. It seems to me. No, Robert Robertson's. Uh, really established himself, you know. He's worked hard in that portfolio, and and sort of come to grips with it, you know, a lot better than at the start of that term. Um, yeah, look, national. I sometimes wonder about whether you need these fully costed plans because there are, there are actually a lot of guesswork. You know, when when you're talking about the debt track and oh, and, where, and where and where the government where government spending is going to be in f- ten to fifteen years versus debt. Yeah. I mean, it's all it's all just an it's exercise like an, in it's imagination. Like a, it's like a game show for accountants. I quite like yeah. it. You know, it's, it's, yeah, it's, we, we've done. It's an immersive role playing <laughs> game. It's, you know. <laughs> Kia ora, I'm Sophie. And I'm Simon. And I'm Alice. And together we host the spin-off's food podcast, Dietary Requirements. Join us each month as we explore a vast culinary landscape. From the gourmet. Ooh la la. To your more hearty tucker. Kiwi onion dip anyone? Everything's on the table in Dietary Requirements. Subscribe wherever you listen to all your other favourite podcasts. We've talked about Labour, we've talked about National, we've talked a bit about ACT. Uh, what about the Greens? Well, no, I, I want to... Oh, two, two, two more national we've things. We've got two sorry. more I, national things. Two more national things. The first thing is... From Ed Thomas. The, 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 <laughs> well, no, the, I mean, the first thing is the... I think the Greens wealth tax is actually... You know, the attack on the wealth tax is actually... That's a totally legitimate argument for National. You know, the Greens are right that it has... You know, that you can't just refuse to rule... You, you can't just rule something out before yep. negotiations yep. have started. Labour are right that presently their position is that they've ruled it out. And National is right that it is a possibility. And when when I was in um, the key government, there was this rule of thumb that every time Russell Norman appeared in the first break of TV1 News, <laughs> National's internal polling went up 2% for that night. And 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 so you know the Greens are sort of you know this lovable kind of thing, but they they do actually form a lot of middle New Zealand. They do have this spectre of sure, very and I, socialist, and and so this is actually a time honoured and traditional and re- reasonably well thought out attack. And I think that strategy that, also has a little kind of useful uh, sort of sidecar on it, which is if it can help to push the Green vote down a little bit. Uh, then that you know, if, if if the Greens were to yeah. fall to four point five, then whether they whether they win or lose, that's still better for National because they're going to get more oh, seats out of that, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, although, I mean, I would think you're targeting different voters there. I, d- I doubt that. I'm not saying that's the. Down. I'm not yeah. saying that's the that's that's the route one. Yeah. It's just a little. But you but, were in but, full flow when and, I interrupted you. And, and the you. other please, thing please is continue. that, and the other thing is that it draws Ardern basically into denying what uh, uh, Collins is saying, and that's what that's what Collins is really trying to do. She's trying to bring this into a two way dialogue between her and Ardern, so that ACT are cut out of the picture a little bit, and you're thinking about two major parties. Um, the second thing is the, the fat stuff. I mean. <sighs> <laughs> like, when is she going to go after the people in wheelchairs? Are they next? I mean, or? I look. I I'm, I may have chosen to be fat, but I didn't <laughs> choose to be part of fat discourse. You know, nobody wants to talk about this stuff in an election year, and 
and and you're in a losing position if you're if you're the leader of a major party and you're just starting to talk about why people are fat. Like well, New Zealand's a pretty fat a, com, com, country and it, and it's getting but, fatter but, each but, day. But, it's but, not a growth strategy seems for your party. Ill discipline to be in a position where yeah. you're in the final days of campaigning and mm-hmm. your appearances in news media are defensive. You're on the defense. Yeah. I mean that's you should be on. You should be on the. It's just it's should just be on the bad. attack yeah, against fat good. people. <laughs> you should, uh, yes. they're, yeah. they're slow mm. moving. Yeah. You can get the jump on them. <laughs> the greens, the greens, the greens, the greens. Annabelle Lee Mather. Do you feel as though the greens have played it reasonably cautious? And uh, I've been critical of that a bit. Maybe I was wrong because their polling seems to have held up. They are obviously still suffering a bit of PTSD from last time round when everything was a sort of nightmare. And then they had the uh, what looked like another round of it with the Green School yeah. scandal and James Shaw. And they've kind of run a campaign, and I think they've even... I don't know if this is a direct quote, but it's like basically Jacinda Plus. We are offering you the Jacinda you thought you knew. I think that's a really smart line, but I have to say I've, I've been underwhelmed by mm. the Greens campaign. Um, while I think, you know, Martima Davidson is a remarkable candidate, I think the party at large haven't run a strong campaign. And I have to say I'm particularly disappointed with the campaign they ran in the Māori seats. They <clears throat> um, only ran, only stood three candidates this time. Mm. Um, last time they stood four. Um, I don't understand how after being in Parliament for 25 years or whatever it is that you're still not contesting all of the Māori seats. Um, I was quite concerned when I saw um, clearly the lack of preparation and support some candidates have been given. Um, and in seats where the Green Party in the past has has polled very, very well. I've mentioned before that, you know, Te Tai Tonga um, has quite a, a strong Green um, support base. Ben says it's mm. because of Matidi. It's actually not. Like Dora Langsbury did really, really well in the in the two elections that she contested Te Tai Tonga. Sometimes they even come second in the party vote and... Um, and while the candidate they stood this time is a really lovely, smart wahine, it was, it was clear that um, she hadn't been given the support and the resources she needed, particularly from a media perspective. So um, definitely not the strongest performing of the parties. I think both ACT and the Māori Party have run a much stronger campaign than the Greens. The Greens were a bit anonymous, I think, following covid um, they really sort of fell into line. Um, and then I think, you know, that contributed a lot to those sort of UMR poll numbers that were coming out, sort of suggesting that they were very, very borderline and maybe even below the 5% threshold. They've come back a bit, you know, th- thanks to this. It's a really interesting strategy if you if you uh, contrast it with New Zealand First, which is defiance to the end. Actually, mm. we're a strong party. Mm. Actually, we're going to be back. Whereas the Greens actually lie prone on the ground and are sort of like, don't don't let the, don't let them hurt us. Please give <laughs> us your vote. <laughs> you know, like kind of woodland creatures, just sort of 
<laughs> curled up in a defensive position. Um, and But presumably that plays well with their voters because I, I, I think, you know, there is a floor of about 5%. So Look at the prevention people. of cruelty to animals branch. <laughs> Pretty much, it's just a. I mean, it is strange. It, it is it look, is strange because I, they, I I've criticised for being too polite in the past, and it seemed to me there was a lot of terrain that there was there. But I'm willing to, I'm willing to entertain the possibility that I'm completely wrong about that because if you look at New Zealand First yeah. with its mixed messages and its confusion, and they're in the doldrums and the polls, we know how hard it is historically. Yeah. To get, I don't. I think. I mean, Winston Peters is keen to contradict people who say that no party has got back into power after no. being supported government. But no, no party has got, got over the five percent. Yeah. Thank you, Ben. Jinx. Uh, and don't the Greens are on course to do that. So that is yeah. that is an historic achievement. So you know, like. They ha- they've been, they've that, literally right? been poles apart, haven't they? The New Zealand First campaign and the Greens campaign. And I think Audrey Young is right when she says that basically, you know, Winston Peters has miscast himself this election. Um, he's come out like a angry old grizzly bear out of hibernation, irritable and annoyed, um, instead of crumping all over the mana of the of Jacinda Ardern and the Labour government, yeah. he's come out swinging yeah. um, violently against them. I think he would have been much better to play the elder statesman role, the safe pair of hands. We're the hands of experience. Yeah. We're going to support the next government. Yeah. But instead, he's come out grumpy, cranky, AF, completely sort of tuck ahead on the mana of the relationship that he had with Labour. And with the Greens, we've seen the opposite. And I, I have to say, I do think that that line about, you know, vote Greens and get the Jacinda you wanted is a smart line and probably something that, you know, New Zealand First could have drawn on in a different way. It's New Zealand First is fascinating, and it's been fascinating for the last 27 years. I think that's right. And it's not, it's not, and in a way he has done some of that. He has said, I'm, I'm the one who brings the experience in working with Jacinda. And I'm, I'm going to read it, what he said this morning on the radio in a second. But he's tried to do all this, all those different things at the same time. Mm. And then, you know, the, the slogan, I think, is back your future. Is that right? Or is that, back is your that, is future. That, what does that even mean? <clears throat> I mean, the, the, the kind of incoherence in the message, mm. even if the message is, I'm going to give you an even bigger gold card. It's going to be the biggest gold. It's going to be like one of those comedy checks on a game <laughs> show gold card. I'm going to like. What is the thing? What is he selling? What is the? What, I mean, what is the? Like there is no. Yeah, he sense that there's actually a policy promise that is attractive, whether it's a philosophical, ideological position or just a thing, just a, a card. You know, that has been the thing that has worked for him in the past. I think he he threw all of his chips in with the handbrake strategy and I think that could have worked if it still looked like Labour would need both minor parties to form a government at the point at which Labour hit 50% in the polls or whatever and it became increasingly likely that they could either govern alone or just with the Greens, the handbrake the handbrake argument. I don't know Labor if I had... agree with that because I feel like Labour hasn't even promised anything big enough well, or exciting enough say. or polarising enough to warrant a handbrake. If, if Labour were still pushing the capital gains tax, yeah. then maybe the, if they were pushing a sort of seriously big ramping up of the top, top tax rate, then mm. yeah. Or the, but Can I just so... say, my mum says too that, um, that fisheries and racing were always going to come back to haunt 
once Interesting. Done. She mentioned that earlier. She and, did. Just wanted to just remind that back everyone. In there. Um, well, I mean, look, it's, well, I'll tell you what, one of the other, other interesting things when we talk about New Zealand First, which possibly links to that or probably doesn't, given that the New Zealand First Party and the New Zealand First Foundation are completely separate, is that you would have mm. thought, we thought, you would have expected that charges being laid by the Serious Fraud Office <laughs> in, in relation to donations to the New Zealand First Foundation would be a huge story in this election campaign, and it kind of wasn't, right? Well, it was like 24 separate, hours and see you later. Separate, Toby, that's why. Oh, because yeah. it's completely... I oh, said the same name. Yeah. 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 Actually, t- yeah, two different stories, but I can see uh, where I mean, the confusion It's not arose. even really yeah. an election yeah. story. Because I just thought, yeah. Yeah, okay. It's, well, it's really just about, it's just about a, a, a gentleman's charitable right. club. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that's another area where I've, com- I've completely misunderstood. Yeah. Uh, so thank you for clearing that up. Can I read you what... Um, I just was interesting to listen to Winston Peters this morning on the radio, and he was asked right at the end of the interview by Corin Dan, he was given an absolute blank page he was given he was said why should New Zealanders vote for you and I thought well this is this is kind of this is a question that Mm. it's it's sort of obvious but I'd like to I'm interested to Mm. know what his answer is and this is what he said I mean it's not it's not massively funny but this is what he said because the decisions they make this time if they make the wrong decision will be debt and cost in our grandchildren's mouths we will never get past it. We need to have plain, clear-headed, business-sensitive, common sense and experience in government for three years under a stable government with Jacinda Ardern. With all this crisis, I think we did a sterling job. The Prime Minister gave the leadership and we got on with doing the job properly. That stability is needed for the next three years and that's why New Zealand First is the only insurance for so many New Zealand voters to take out in their second vote. And wow. I just thought, what a single person. You were given an absolute... <laughs> like, you can't blame the media for ganging up on you. You can't say that you've in some way been skewered. You had an absolute open stage there. And mm. I don't think a single person would listen to that and go, ah... I'm going to vote for you. That's a compelling argument. I have no idea what it means. <laughs> it's almost, you're almost sort of expected to segue into, you know, they say you're vulnerable, but you're not vulnerable. I mean, you're vulnerable to COVID. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, we should crack on. I don't know. Do we, we, were gonna, we, we should quickly quickly talk about the Māori Party, perhaps. Yes, we should definitely talk about because the Māori Party. It's in we, play. They're back, baby. They polled in the last Conrad Brunton 0.2, but I wonder whether that is in part because their strategy has seemed to, in the last few weeks, push very strongly on the, you will get more Māori MPs if you give us your candidate Mm. votes, and then you can vote for Jacinda. The irony is is that the National Party's strong team slogan Mm. would have actually been better for the Māori Party because, by and large, they've stood some really... Um, impressive candidates who have done a great job. Who would have thought this time a year ago that they could be so close in two or three of the seats? I think. Um, who would have thought that you would be saying that you would have a very strong team with Debbie Ngariwapaka and John Tamihere mm. in the co leadership <laughs> compared to. I mean, but it's true, right? Like well, it, I mean, even John has shown a lot more discipline than Judith. He's, you know, he's a guy who can shoot from the hip, but mm-hmm. he's. Um, but even he's done a really impressive job this time. And that There's profile intri- has him running really close in Tamaki Makoto. He, he's he's quite that. close. I don't think he's. I don't think Penny's in danger. But what I think is interesting is there's been this long-running narrative in the Maori seats that Maori are just blindly loyal to Labour, and we're like the beaten wife that goes back and mm. you know votes for Labour every time. 
in my opinion, nothing could be further than the truth. If you look into Taitokero alone, in the last 30 years, they've they've voted in four different candidates from four different parties. What other general electorate do you see that amount of churn in terms of parties? I think. Māori voters are ruthlessly strategic in the way that they vote. And I think the Labour Party, the, the, the people that tend to forget that is the Labour Party. And I think what we're seeing here is a, a clear message that the, the Māori MPs are being put on notice not to take the support of the of Māori voters for granted because um, next term, if um, next election, if if the Māori Party hold fast, we could see some of those um, seats start to flip if if Labour doesn't start really delivering to Māori. Uh, and one of the interesting things on that is that, of course, the Labour candidates, whereas last time they played a all or nothing. That's right. Now they're on the list, and I we're gonna we're gonna talk very quickly because we are running out of time about seats that we're interested in, and I was going to mention Tamaki Makoto. Um, and that's one where the polling that was done by Curia for for uh, Māori TV had Penny Henare on 44, John Tamihere on 36, Marama Davidson on 18, um, which she'll be disappointed by. Mm. But what we don't know is how that's tracking, whether it's whether how much different that would have been two or three weeks before. I don't think Tamihira is out of that race. Like eight points is, is not nothing, but there's a significant undecided component in there. And I touched on it, but I do think that there is, and I do think it's quite a compelling argument. It's like three for the price of one. That's the that's the argument that mm-hmm. he can that he can run. Um, I think the voters in Māori seats are probably more tactically astute than in many other seats. Yeah, and Given that before the last time round, Penny Henare wouldn't have been in Parliament if he hadn't won that seat. I, now they can say, "Look, look, you want to, you want to keep you want to keep the the Māori Party alive in Parliament, and you get another Māori MP." It's, I, I think that one is is not. I think that one is that one is still on. That one is still alive. I feel like the Labour Māori MPs got their strategy back to front last election to this election. I feel like last election they should have gone on the list because mm. Labour was pretty, um, you know, uh, it was pretty unclear how Labor, how it was going to all wash up for Labour. I think to put themselves back on the list this time, it's. I feel like it's really taken the edge out of their campaigns. It feels like the Māori Party candidates and and um, Māori in general seats like um, Kitty Tapu Allen are campaigning with their pants on fire, and we don't we're not seeing that in the Māori seats this time. And I think that you know the two for one argument, especially in places like Te Tai Hauaru, is you know is compelling. Ben, did you have a seat that you were excited about? I'm pretty interested in Whanganui. Um, I think there's a lot of marginal or traditional sort of bellwether seats mm. that will be in play that people haven't really talked about too much. I think Northcote is one mm-hmm. where there's a big there's a big possibility that Shannon Helbert, who's been sort of knocking around the electorate, sort of in contrast to somebody like Helen White, he's very visible between elections. Mm. Uh, he stood in the by-election against Dan Boudoir. Uh, by-elections are a bit funny in terms of looking at the margins, but Northcote was a Labour seat before Jonathan Coleman. Um, and so it, it could go it could go red as well. Yep. But uh, Whanganui will be interesting as well. Harati Haipango uh, is currently the national MP there. Pretty slim margins, so 
I think it's likely that, uh, that should she, go she, she, she will lose Labour. and that uh, I think it's Steph, Steph Lewis, Steph Lewis mm-hmm. will become the first Labour MP in that seat since Chester Burroughs retired. Mm. I think uh, uh, just in terms of... Oh, 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 very good. Very good. Just, just in terms of Shannon Halbert, I think he's one that, um, you know, lab, he's, he's worked so hard over the last, was it two, three elections, Ben, that he, yeah, where he stood for Labour, and he is—he runs a phenomenal ground game, and I don't think that's been reflected by the by the the list rankings that he has been getting. So I think, you know, people are watching those those Maori candidates. I mean, Kitty Tapu's another one. She massively eroded Anne Tolly's majority last time, and yet this time around she's been demoted on the list. So this is East Coast it, you're talking the about. The East now. Coast. So it's, it's kind of. The it's how do we get fresh Maori talent in there? People who are working hard, who are taking campaigning, who are knocking on doors seriously when they keep getting these really bung list placings. Also, the, I think you risk losing again, great talent. If you're talking about you know the two for one deal in terms of increasing Maori representation, Kitty will be back in on the list for Labour. Tanya Tapsell, who's probably one of the best new recruits for National. Is 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 out if she can't win that electorate. So, um, yeah, that'll that'll definitely be one to watch as well. The other one to watch will be Botany, um, not for any particular reason. Christopher Luxon will win it by about fifty thousand votes, um, but it will just be nice to officially mark Jamie Lee Ross no longer being a member of Parliament and gone from New Zealand public life forever, except when he puts on his tinfoil hat to do more interviews with Alex Jones or Prison Planet or. You know, or the parole board. Uh, yes, Jamie Lee Ross was on Steve Bannon's show the other uh, overnight as the advance party sings its last song. Uh, East Coast, you mentioned Annabelle. Do you think that that one is? I'm just just having a look at that. The, I think that one's in the bag. I think it's in the bag for Kitty this time. Four thousand eight hundred majority though for Antolly last time. It's not nothing. No, but she's she's. Standing down, so standing it's down. a it's a clear playing field. I think you know Kitty's mm. run a really strong campaign. Um, she's very visible. She's familiar to the electorate now. It's not like a stranger. Mm. I think Tanya's a remarkable young candidate as well. Either way, um, I mean they're spoilt for choice there. But I, I I am picking that that Kitty will will bag it this time around. Seems like Kerry Allen is also on track to be in cabinet. You would. I think it's a safe bet um, on where we're in the unlikely event that Labour were to come out on top in the election <laughs> I think in a few days. The other interesting seat too will be the far north, not in terms of Shane Jones, but in terms of um, how well Willow Jean does in terms of eroding that mm. um, national support there. She's another hard-working um, Māori MP. Northland was was only won by just over a thousand votes by Matt King when he unseated Winston Peters, who had won that by election. Um, but Shane Jones is just out of it on the basis of that. We've only seen one poll, but just a reminder that that the the, the poll put him on fifteen percent, uh, King on forty six, and Willagine Prime, who has been you know has contested a number of elections up there now and is mm. obviously she was very impressive on that on that news hub debate I thought mm. she's on 31 um so whereas that was that was looking so like it could be an exciting So what's the difference between her and Matt? Uh, she's 31 he's 46. Mm. Um, so it's still a way to go. Hey should we do predictions? I'm, I'm not sure that 
I'm not sure that betting on betting your entire party's electoral future on Shane Jones's capacity for on the ground campaigning and door knocking was ever a great mm. idea for New Zealand First. Some free free uh, consultancy advice there. Should we do should we do predictions? Who wants to go first? Ben, I think everyone will have a good time. Uh, you think every your prediction <clears throat> is that everyone is going to have a good time? Yeah, except Jamie Lee Ross. Do you want me to do my prediction then? Sure. Uh, let me see. I, I I put it here on my mobile telephone. My prediction: <clears throat> New Zealand Labour Party sixty. Oh, this is a prediction for after special votes. Oh. By the way, not not an on the night. Not an on the night. Not an on the night. So just add another to, layer of if complexity to it. If you need to, to, to tweak your algorithms <clears> at all, yep. there. Um, <laughs> my prediction is New Zealand Labour Party sixty-two vote, seats. 62 seats. Not 62 votes. seats. 62 seats of the 120 seats. The New Zealand National Party, 40 seats. It's 40 seats. Act New Zealand, 10 seats. And the Green Party, 8 seats. And that's it. Can that's I say, it's going to be really prediction. weird for David Seymour, eh? Going, oh, yeah. going from being a one-man band to to having some oh some God, homie these people. <laughs> <laughs> but I also think you know we might see what we've seen in New Zealand first and and um and you know other minor parties in the past where you bring in all these people who weren't really expected to get in and then you have some teething problems. So it'll be interesting to see how. How, how it plays out for those guys. I think it'll be a wild ride for the next three years for that caucus. Um, do you want to give us your prediction, Ben? Oh, I didn't. I didn't quote. I, I worked it out as percentages before. Well, you could do it as votes. percentages, if you and like. I didn't actually work no, it out so that it. Ma- so what that do you need, Ben? Because I'm trying to. I, 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 I just want listeners. I want you to know that I did ask Ben and Annabelle to come prepared. I and like, I feel as though they've let you, the <laughs> listeners, down in some. Real sense, Ben. I would say it'll be around Labour forty-seven percent, forty-seven percent. National about thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-two. Uh, what does that take us up to? Sixty-nine. Is that right? No, seventy-nine. Seventy-nine. Uh, Acts eight. Greens. Six and up and seven percent wasted vote. Okay, so what? So let's just just tell me that again. You said Labour forty. Oh, maybe higher than forty-seven. Maybe let's call them forty-eight. Forty-eight. Hope you're enjoying this tour of Ben Thomas's political Mind brain. <laughs> forty-eight for Labour. What did you say for the the national national thirty-two? Thirty-two. I'm using the. Electoral Commission's calculator for uh, the Greens? Six. Six. And for the Association of Consumers and Taxpayers New Zealand? Eight. And no seats for anybody else? No Māori Party seats? Anything like that? No, no. Okay. No, I would Let's ideally love for the Māori Party calculate. to win a seat, but I don't think it's going to happen. That means um, that your prediction, the prediction of... Benjamin Thomas is 61 for Labour. Can I, can I come right there? Oh, you've already done this thing. Ben is 61 for Labour and 41 for National. 
and 10 for ACT and 8 for the Greens. Annabelle Lee Mather. Okay, Sing I, us out. I'm, I'm not going to do mine using numbers. I'm going to do mine using pies. So I reckon <laughs> Labour's going to have lots of pies. Lots of <laughs> pies. Hang on. Yep, lots of pies. Um, National's going to have significantly less pies than Labour. Significantly less pies. Yep. Like at least a third less pies than Labour. Okay. Maybe third more. Third less pies. Okay. Act is going to have more pies than it's ever had in its life. More pies, yeah. But not as many pies as it thinks it's going to have. Okay, yeah, yep, yep. The Greens will have, like, slightly less pie than last time. Less pie than they had less, hoped for. Less pie, yeah. But it'll be made using seasonal vegetables. Mm. And it'll be gluten free, so delicious, <laughs> none, d- delicious gluten and desirable free. nonetheless. Okay. The Maori party mm. is like baking a mean as hangi pie. A mean. It as... may or may not be served in the fari kai. Okay. The selection <laughs> it may end up being dessert next selection. We uh, don't know. It's a, a future pie. Okay, I've put those into the calculator too. And Annabelle's numbers are Labour 64 pies, <laughs> National 38 pies, Act 7 pies, and Greens 6 pies. Um, and we will see how we did another day. Thanks both very much. We're going to catch up on Sunday. I've promised, I've promised that we'll have champagne to celebrate the end of the Horror. forever election. Um, and we'd strongly encourage you too to... Uh, have some champagne or, or kombucha. There's not even going to be any scandals anymore. Like nobody can be bothered like sexting like an inappropriately aged like staff member or anything. Like Everyone's they thought exhausted. About doing, oh, Nobody's no. having affairs. No. Like no one's yeah. leaking anything. No Get one can be asked. With. Maybe they should just in the last campaign just have a like play a game of Uno or. You know, last card or something. Last instead. card, yeah. You know, presidents and assholes. Like, we're done. <laughs> we're done. Yeah. Uh, thanks, guys. Thanks, Alice. Um, buy a tea towel. They're they're good. There's only a few left. We've nearly run out of tea towels. You know that? Because they're so incredibly People popular. People are just loving drying their pots with Ben Thomas's face. Mm. Kia ora e te iwi, te Aihe Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.